wakes her up in the middle of the night and he's like do you remember that time we played monopoly (laughs) (laughs) no why would i remember that it's monopoly the worst night (laughs) don't wake me up on fire tonight all right what's going on guys it's on fire tonight with josh and tressa i'm josh i'm tressa and we are here to talk about the season finale of the peripheral (laughs) that's season one episode eight the Mm -hmm. creation of a thousand forests if you haven't seen it already we're gonna spoil it watch it right now and now you're back are you excited or what I am excited, but I'm also left thinking, what the actual fuck? <laughs> oh, really? I was fine. <laughs> <laughs> so the episode starts in a flashback moment in the Blue Ridge Mountain timeline, but four years earlier, it's 2028. Connor is laid up at Walter Reed Hospital. He deeply regrets trying to save that dog bomb. Oh, yeah. Why is that? Because it was a dog bomb and not a dog. Oh, well, yeah, it's him and Flynn. He's talking about how Flynn is a gamer and how she gets to reboot the games whenever you get to a saved level. But it's not like that in chess, which we have heard he's really into. Yeah, Uh, over and over again. That's all they talk about. Do they really? I don't remember them talking about that a lot. They mentioned it once. Okay, so repeatedly, yeah. We've never seen him play chess. Mm -mm. He's like, in chess, checkmate is you're done. And I would love a real life reboot. That's what this whole fucking episode is about. It really is, Josh. Credit sequence. And then we're in Blue Ridge Mountains 2032, our normal time in that part of the timeline. Rain is falling. Deputy Tommy. Walking out of Corbell's. Yeah, into his SUV, packing up his weapons. Yeah, he's messing around with the guns and the evidence bag. Radio's in for backup, and he makes like there's someone on the loose that just killed the sheriff. Suspects at large and probably armed, presumed armed. And also shot Corbell Pickett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. CSI Blue Ridge (laughs) rolls into town. There's like a lot of people in hazmat suits. It's like they're taking it very, very seriously. Yeah, they came from like five towns over because Jesus Christ, there's like two people in that town. They probably just 3D printed some CSI people. (laughs) Yeah. He's cleaning some blood off of his boot when they're like, oh, hey, there's still a pulse on this one. He did not kill Corbell. Because um, of course not. He shot Tommy's him. not good at anything. He's a bad at everything. And he just assumed that this weird future weapon was going to kill this guy when he doesn't even know what it does exactly. He just yeah, knows it like. It's, it's the doodad. The, yes, that's right. He just, shot, doodad. <laughs> he just shot out a car window. It's like, well, this will murder anything. Let's get to work. There's a blast over the radio, shots fired over at Urgent Med. He hurries over, sees Flynn in the back of the ambulance before he sees his fiance, Dee Dee. Oh, you think that means something? Um, I think he's secretly got a seventh grade crush on Flynn. 
Maybe. Oh. I mean, she's been harboring a seventh grade crush for him. What? This is the first time I'm hearing this. Yeah, get with it, lady. So Flynn's okay. Dee Dee's okay. Reese is dead. And Bob, who's dead, gets to take the blame for everything Tommy did over at Corbell's house. Bob, our Irish assassin, the baddest man in the whole damn town. <laughs> meaner than a junkyard dog straight out of retirement just for this he <laughs> yeah, was so he was cool. living the life down in the keys listening to what's the guy with the parrots Jimmy uh, Buffett yes total fucking you. parrot head <laughs> he was totally a parrot head living his best life going to tiki bars <laughs> so then boom we're in London 2099 chief inspector Ainsley Lobier of the Metropolitan Police wants to team up with Flynn, Burton, and Connor. She hopes to help them navigate against the coming jackpot. Which is speeding up for their timeline more so than they expected. And Ainsley, what's her name, is like, okay, you guys got to help me. What do you want? So this we can is your make opportunity season. to negotiate if you have demands. And Flynn's like, save my fucking mom like you guys promised, you dickheads. Chief Inspector Ainsley Lobier of the Metropolitan Police goes strangely quiet. And we learn from Beatrice that she is consulting the aunties. That's right. So she's got like a cybernetic link, link to the archive robots or whatever. It turns out that there's nothing else that can be done for Flynn's mom. The technicals, Ash and Ossian, literally exhausted all that was available. That's bananas. It's how many years in the future? I mean, I almost feel like they're lying, but there's absolutely no reason why or any evidence that they are. But it still seems like bullshit. Both of us are wearing glasses. That's this hundreds of years old technology, and it's still the best thing going. Yeah, but it's kind of our choice. We could wear contacts or get surgery. Well, I don't know actually that I'm a good candidate for surgery. Maybe right. you are. I'm just saying it has progressed. We have more choices than just glasses is what I'm saying. And I think in the future, they should have more choices than just one mystery pill that you do in a 3D printer or that you shoot up into your mom and not tell her the whole truth about. To be fair to the future. Yeah. They did also go through the jackpot and therefore lose like 99.9% .9 uh, of all human beings. Okay, 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 fair, but they have peripherals, which how advanced is that? So checkmate. Hold on just a fucking moment. Okay, God. Time the fuck out. Okay. Uh, what? Peripherals are a telepresent quantum tunneling of consciousness into a robot body. Yes. Could they telepresent Flynn's mom into a peripheral body? Forever and ever? Yeah, and just have the original body in that timeline die and then the peripheral body and real genuine consciousness keep going? Is yeah, that possible? Gosh. I don't think we know if that's possible or not within I this realm. I don't. Well, I think that we kind of learned that, but I think we should also get to the end of this show before we talk about that. All right. All right. Flynn and Burton both beam out of London. Flynn's oh, yeah. crying. Burton's but, comforting her. But because Ainsley Low Lady said that Flynn's mom has 23 days to live. Yes, that's right. Yeah, we didn't. That was kind of crucial. That is crucial. 
the, okay. the clock is ticking and it's 23 days and that's horrific to yeah, hear. Yeah, it's less than a month. Yeah. We're at the Fisher house. Mom was talking about, you know what? It's fine. I have thought about this. I was concerned at first, but you know what? You get to live your own fucking goddamn life now. And that's amazing for you. You don't have to be everybody's caretaker. You can be your own person. And that's what I want for you. Cheers, mom. Way to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. Except that like, you know, if you're Flynn, you don't want to hear that shit. Yeah, but what are you going to tell her? Like, no. I know. Don't let it happen. It sucks. It just sucks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she says, go live your life. You deserve more. And then blah, blah, blah. Your dad called you <laughs> an acorn. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Back to London. Dr. Sharice Newland of the Research Institute is meeting with Ash. Ash has contacted her. She wants to help her to take Lev down a notch, basically. Ash informs Cherise where that stolen data she's been searching for this whole time now resides. Where's that, Josh? Where? It's encoded in Flynn's DNA. What? Yeah. So because Flynn was piloting the peripheral originally when Alita brought her in but thought it was Burton. Right. Alita sent back data that was supposed to be stored in Burton's haptic implants. Oh, okay. okay. But because he does not have that, her body interpreted that weird shit as a bacterial infection that did something to her DNA. So That's pretty neat. So that data is like trapped behind her eyeball inside her brain. That's a kind of good, kind of bad scenario. (laughs) Turns out to be really bad. Yeah, kind of real bad. But Sharice's like, cool. Thanks, bitch. I can totally take care of this, but it's going to be real bad. It's going to be real, real bad. And Nash is like, I don't know what that means. She's like, let me spell it out for you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm a stupid idiot. That information trapped in Flynn's brain cannot get out. The klept can't get it. And no one else can get it either. And we're going to have to nuke that timeline. We're going to move up the jackpot. Cool. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Like, it's a scorched earth policy. So that means that the Research Institute loses decades worth of research that they had been doing in that stub. Experimenting on the human beings there. Oh, they're going to lose all that haptic stuff that they were experimenting on. They lose everything. All of that. It has to go because if that information gets out to anyone. Everything's fucked. Everything's fucked. We don't know what that information is, do we? It's just very vital. I I think it's the behavior control stuff. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. They live in such a dystopian future that they would already all know some aspect of that was happening to them anyway. Yeah. No. Yeah. London. Wilf is on a bench. So is Flynn's peripheral. And she shows up. Wilf thinks Alita is dead because he's like, oh, well, I haven't seen her in a while. She's probably dead. Yeah. And he's like, oh, by the way, super duper sorry that I said that I could save your mom when what I should have said was, I hope I can save your mom. Whoopsie doodles. He has no memories of his early childhood. What he most remembers about his childhood is living in camps. But according to Alita, he had told her about his family and memories of them that he doesn't have anymore. Right. They were like a beautiful house by a pond, just an idyllic life 
for a little tiny child that he doesn't remember. He just knows from memories of what Alita told him. His only memories were the horrific days at the camp and Alita. And then also being adopted and running away. After a couple of years of living with their adopted family, they took off back to like living in the streets and in the camps and in the ruins and stuff. Yeah. for It was back then that Alita was like, we used to live in a paradise and everything went wrong when we got opposable thumbs. So she drew like a four-fingered hand, which was like her symbol of non-evolution and uh, not using tools, like all technology is the devil. I mean, I know that she's talking about like pre-evolution, pre-civilization, blah, blah, blah. But I like to also imagine that she's just an idiot that thought that we didn't have thumbs before all this happened in the jackpot. (laughs) So young Alita was just a super duper neoprim. Maybe she founded the neoprims. I mean, why not? Right. Flynn and Wilf can't have a private conversation because they have ongoing surveillance, both from Chief Inspector Ainsley Lobier of the Metropolitan Police and Ash and Ossian, the technicals, because she's in a peripheral that they observe. So everybody's spying all the time. So in order to have like a super duper private conversation, sort of, she suggests let's link again. Oh, you mean do it? Yeah. Well, it's. Yeah, that's what she means. It's an emotional entanglement. Yeah. Where they feel each other's emotions. Yeah, they do. (laughs) (laughs) So the idea is. I'll ask you a question, but you're Uh, not going to say anything out loud. I'll just feel what you're feeling. Yeah, you will. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that's some dirty business. So she's like, so they do that. They link up and she's like, yo, Will, what do you think of Ainsley? What's her name? And I don't remember how he felt. And then she's... Well, that's the thing, like... We just see a shot of Ainsley. And then it's like, how do you feel about Lev? And we see a shot of Lev. And like, how do you feel about Alita? And we see a shot of Alita. And it's up to us to interpret interpret that. Yeah, because I don't know. Yeah. And then she's like, what do you think of Flynn Fisher? What? (laughs) And then the shot is the two of them totally (laughs) making out. And then Wolf's like, what do you feel like with about Wolf? Huh? How do you feel about him? <laughs> so they're both fantasizing about or slash remembering <laughs> making out with each other. Yep. They're brain doing it. They're brain doing it. Yeah. They're having total brain sex. And, you know, for better or for worse, I guess she's getting over Tommy. Yeah, <laughs> good for her. So she's like, so yeah, uh, where was this place that was the uh, hand with four fingers or whatever? And he's right, like, that, oh that... shit, that's the most obvious thing I could have ever thought of. Oh, why did fuck, I why didn't that? I go back to that place? <laughs> so we see the technicals are spying on them. They are just like watching them walk through fields in London. Mm-hmm. And they get to uh, like a park type thing and erase the fake people that are there that make you feel less lonely. And then there's just eight-year-old street urchin Alita sitting on a bench barefoot 
with coal smudged face <laughs> and tattered clothes. I like that in right after the jackpot, they went right back into the industrial revolution where there was like coal smog everywhere and all the kids had coal smudged all over their face. It was just a wasteland of coal and I love it. Also, that eight-year-old version of Alita is a peripheral. Like those are just style choices. <laughs> Well, that's how Wolf remembers her, so... Barefoot. Uh, yeah. And disgustingly filthy dirty, yeah. Yeah. They go up to Alita, and she's like, yeah, let's go take a walk and talk about this without that bitch. Yeah, not he, Flynn, because he, Flynn is constantly being spied on. Yeah. Isn't that right, Ash? And she looks directly <laughs> in Flynn's eyes so that Ash sees that a gun is being pointed at her. Uh, through something else that would never right. hurt her. But yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're like, fine, let's go walk. So adult Alita appears. She has stitches behind her ear where she pulled out the implant in her brain, which, by the way, turns out was not boosting immunity. It was blocking memories. Yeah. yeah. She's like, right now we're on top of the camp we used to live in. And underneath us are thousands of bodies. Hey, uh, peripheral me, why don't you start digging so we can prove uh, this point? Right. So the little girl starts digging up skulls. <laughs> Jackpot. No pun intended. Automatically <laughs> digs and finds a skull. Hands it over. See, oh, I told yeah, you. Just give that to Wilf. <laughs> that's like his mom what the yeah. fuck <laughs> yeah so the cleft are the ones responsible for all the death all of the refugee children and adults and everyone during the jackpot because of fears of contagion the cleft just wiped out everybody they put these implants in the survivors brains to like suppress that memory but if you remove the implant your memories will come back and wilf is told explicitly you could free yourself if you just free yourself free your mind and the rest will follow yeah that's what i'm talking about you know we get a quick shot of Corbell in the hospital. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Alita is like, by the way, I've been gathering an army of the dispossessed. Oh, yeah. And like four <laughs> or five other people who are just casually dressed Londoners <laughs> appear uh... behind her. There's just, <laughs> I'm not sure where they were hiding. But her army, oh, she's got to have the clip shaken. And once again, she says, infinity in the palm of your hand, which is a thing that she said when we took that elevator trip to the sub-basement. Right. And all of that infinity is apparently inside of Flynn's head. Oh. Sucks to be Flynn. Yeah, it does. Back okay. in the Blue Ridge Mountains, mm -hmm. Corbell's on life support. They just show him for a second so we know that he's there. And all of his boys over at Jimmy's, the... You got Atticus Jimmy. and Cash, a guy named Buddy, who's the third dude, and the nephew Jasper, who's a complete fuck up. Is Buddy the guy that, like, has no lines whatsoever? Yep. And he just, man, yep. he's got to be so pissed. He's like, I'm in the show. The camera is on me. I got no lines. I'm getting paid shit. But I'm right here, you guys. Couldn't they give him a better name than Buddy? Buddy? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're talking about how, well, Corbell's good as dead. Who's next up in line to take over the town? Who's going to be the boss? So Atticus, the sleazy drug dealer dude, is like, obviously, I'm next in line. 
and Cash, who's got stitches all around his mouth from where Corbell smashed him in the face, is like, not so fast. I'm pretty great. Buddy doesn't say anything or do anything, but then they just agree that the three of them will share power. And Uh Jasper's like, hold on a second, there's four of us. And they're like, ah, good one, dude. Go get us beer, you little bitch. (laughs) And he says, okay. Yeah, he does. (laughs) He gets up and gets them more beer. (laughs) The hours have passed and Jasper's on his way to take everybody home because that's his job. He's the designated driver. Uh-huh. Um, Cash pukes in the car and Atticus is like, ah, oh, fucking idiot. Looks like you're going to have to clean that up, dickhead. <laughs> oh, and Jasper is just seething. He's not a pushover, Josh. He's like, okay, guys, who am I going to drop off first? But all of them are completely asleep. Yeah, they're so all So he pulls to a stop on the train tracks, gets out of the car. And he calls his wife, Billy Ann. And he's like, hey, honey. And she's like, Whoa. <laughs> he wakes her up in the middle of the night. And Billy he's like, Ann. do you remember that time we played Monopoly? <laughs> <laughs> no. Why would I remember that? It's Monopoly. The Good worst night. <laughs> Don't wake me up. Do you have any idea how long it took me to fall asleep? I am not dealing with a Monopoly conversation right now. Again. So she's very nice to him and listens to his bullshit story. Yeah. He's like, oh, I let everybody walk (laughs) all of me. And then you said that I was being weak. And she's like, oh, honey, no, you're not weak. You're kind. And that's why I married you. And he's like, oh, fuck. I was about to murder (laughs) these three guys. I got to go. I got to go. That's a really good summary, Josh. Thank you. (laughs) Right? Yes. So he gets to the car. He locked the keys in the car. Uh-huh. The trains are coming. Train whistle, etc. He, he can starts, hear the train coming. It's coming around the bend. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so it's, it's picking up speed. It's coming right at the vehicle. He is furiously trying to wake those dudes up. He's even trying to smash the window with a rock to get them out of there. He rouses Atticus a little bit. Atticus looks out the window, sees a huge spotlight and it's like whoa whoa what's going on right right then the train just plows right the fuck through that car and it explodes the train keeps going and jester's like holy shit and i'll go save him though right and then the car explodes a second time (laughs) never mind that i think is my favorite scene of this episode it might be my favorite scene of the whole show (laughs) because it's so ridiculous it is the phone conversation the fucking monopoly (laughs) the i'm gonna go save those guys after the car flipped a bunch of times oh it exploded again it done exploded twice (laughs) so i don't know when or how he's getting home like (laughs) His car is blown to bits. He's got to call like an Uber or something. He's in the middle of nowhere. And he's right next to a car that's on fire. He should probably call in the police. But he doesn't want him to know that he knows. That he knows what? That a car exploded three times, four times. It's his car with three dead bodies in it. I think he's got to call it in. (laughs) It got stolen, maybe. We don't get an answer to that question. That's the end of that scene forever i guess jasper is now the fucking crime lord of this region 
I didn't even consider that. Oh, Jasper's going to suck at that job. I can't. What wait. if he really like rises to the occasion? Can't see it happening, but I would love it. I mean, as a kid, he was traumatized by Corbell, who like made him torture guys while they were dying. Yeah. What if he becomes the gentleman mob boss? Oh, a gentleman mob boss. He makes sure everyone talks it through like a crew. Look, long story short, Jasper is a hilarious character. <laughs> and we love him. You know what? Actually, the very next scene, uh-huh. <laughs> it rivals the car exploding scene for what the fuckery. The one where she rides her bike up to Tommy, who's just hanging out in the middle of nowhere next yeah. to his car. <laughs> Tommy is just like parked on a dirt road uh-huh. in the middle of nowhere. And Flynn rides, coasts her bike up. Mm-hmm. And then they have a totally expository scene where he's like, hey, there's some chatter that, uh, first of all, you and your family have been keeping secrets. And that's something. Anyway, yeah. I got a call from Homeland Security <laughs> that some terrorists want to blow up our local missile silo. You got anything to do with that? Th- right. That thing that probably I shouldn't be talking to people about? You got right. I'm just questioning my 12-year-old crush. <laughs> yeah, in the my, middle of my nowhere. My mutual crush. <laughs> In the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So we know that Sharice Newland has been trying to move up the jackpot. Here is evidence of that happening. Yes. There's going to be a fucking nuclear holocaust, just like there was in the uh, London 99 timeline. And so that's now hanging over their heads. And it's all explained on this dirt road meeting <laughs> in the dumbest fucking way I've ever seen. <laughs> There's just some information how are we going to get it out? Like, Here, Here's what we do. Just shut up. Uh, okay. Shut up. We have Flynn ride a bike down a dirt road, and she just happens upon, of all people, Tommy. And since he's a deputy, he knows all this shit about everything. And he's going to be like, yo, do you have anything to do with this top secret shit? And she'll be like, I don't know what you're talking about, but she secretly does. Done. I mean... We could have just seen him get a call from Homeland Security or be in a meeting about a debrief or something. Like no, that would make better. more sense, right? No, no, no. This is better because then she gets to talk to him so better, better this way. All right. So she calls Macon, who is the smartest guy in the Blue Ridge Mountains. He's the super hacker and says, like, get my headset ready. Oh, yeah. And, and then she zooms in to london and i don't know why it was important for her to call him but apparently we're establishing and re-establishing <laughs> that he's an important character and will be mm-hmm. continuing to be in the future you know what i feel like and i know i've asked this question before i feel like a lot of dumbass choices were made because they were in the book and oh maybe i haven't were, read the book neither I, I i'm supposing that all these expository scenes that just seem fucking stupid like they were either in the book and they're like oh people are going to want to see this or blah, blah blah everyone loves this scene in the book we got to put this in and it makes no sense in this show well, Do you know what I mean? it's hard to adapt a book into a tv show or a movie because sure. there are different ways that you convey information and so that kind of work it's just difficult. Like, how are you going to show just like thoughts in a person's head unless you have them acted out in some way or you have some sort of voiceover or you have some, you know, there's just you have to figure out some tools to do it. So Absolutely. 
part of what we're tracking is the accelerated jackpot in the Blue Ridge Mountains timeline and the fact that Flynn knows that it's accelerating. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I just feel there have been so many points in this season where I'm like, I feel like this scene makes sense in a book, but it looks stupid right now. And I don't have an example and I wish I did because right now it doesn't make sense without an example. And I apologize. Yeah, I'm not even really sure like where I'm at with this show. Like it started off like so exciting and fun. Mm -hmm. And it's like had some moments where it's dipped really hard. I've been like, whoa, that episode was pointless. Yeah, yeah. But I have to still, in the grand scheme of things, recognize the fact that they made some good shit. For sure. It's a cool show. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to hang in there Uh and hope that it's all worthwhile. And maybe even the stuff that I thought was pointless, it will become clear why it wasn't pointless. Maybe. Yeah, no, for sure. But like, I'm wondering if this whole Monopoly conversation. Why isn't this whole show about Monopoly? Like, that's the most interesting (laughs) thing that's happened. Thank you. I'm wondering if reading that conversation was a lot more, I don't know seemed a lot more relevant or just I feel like maybe if we were reading this conversation on paper it would have been a lot more less stupid (laughs) I don't know do you know what I mean though because it's like you can read a conversation on paper and be like oh I get this I probably have a lot more context of who these characters are because I probably have a lot more conversations and experiences with these characters in this book and in this show I've seen these characters twice and one's goofy and the other one's goofy in a different way and they're talking about Monopoly and how it changed his fucking goddamn life okay I mean, it's sort of a complicated matter because like, what if instead of having that conversation, he's driving the passed out guys home Mm -hmm. and we see a flashback to game night. (laughs) And it wasn't Monopoly. It was Twister. (laughs) (laughs) How do you lose Twister? How do you win or lose? He's got really good upper body strength, but he pretends like he doesn't so the other guy can win. Well, Monopoly or no Monopoly, Jasper's the last man standing. (laughs) All right. Flynn goes to London and she goes to talk to Ash, correct? Yeah, totally. Flynn knows that the data is in her DNA and Lev would wreak havoc. And so Dr. Sharice Newland has to nuke her entire state. And Ash is like, uh, 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 yeah, uh." uh, yeah. She's like, I need to talk to Wilf. What what the frig? The ultimate line of this whole show is, where are you going? And Flynn says, I'm going to win. (laughs) Every time you say that, I think it gets stupider. (laughs) I mean, come on. She's like a badass action hero. (laughs) She has to have some lines like that. Is she? Yeah. I mean, isn't she? Yeah, she is. She's a badass action hero. Connor's a badass action hero. Burton's a badass action hero. Like, they need some, like, tough, cool lines. You know what? No, you're right. It's great. I was going to say it should have been a pun, but it was a pun. So, A+. plus, No notes. <laughs> Lynn and Connor have a scene in a burnt-out warehouse. Yeah, he's like, okay. In London in the future. So, he's yeah, yeah, got, yeah. like, his peripheral body. Yeah. I, She's I, like, I want to open a new stub. 
they're having this conversation in this burnt out warehouse so they can't be watched or surveyed or whatever. <clears throat> I don't understand why she wouldn't be able to be watched or surveyed. Like, aren't they constantly able to be surveyed? We have previously seen Ash look through her eyes while talking to Alita. Right. And Ainsley has like super duper metropolitan police powers. Yeah, it's it's absolute nonsense. There's no reason that they wouldn't always be watched at all times, especially if they can go in and out. No one else can do that with their peripheral. They have to do it through RI or whatever. So you would think they would keep extra close tabs on their peripherals since they know they can get around without them. You know what I'm right. saying? So it just doesn't add up. No. So she, yeah, so she's like, okay, I want to open a new stub. And then we see her pitching this idea to Chief Inspector Ainsley Lobier of the Metropolitan Police. Yeah, she's like, eh, well, here's the deal. I can't do this shit making up new stubs and whatnot, but I know a place. Right. She's like, if I were to do that myself, that would be an open declaration of war on the CLEPT and the Research Institute. But I can, like, tell you some secrets. Ooh! You can go to this one place, and it's going to be surrounded by other peripherals that are just as strong and talented fighters as you. So here right. you go. Watch the your research back. The Institute has special portals to stub technology, and they're secretly hidden in places. Yes. So she I, goes, I don't know why they wouldn't just have that, like, underground the research institute. A hundred levels underground where right. no one could get to it without an eyeball scan. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. Anyway, so she goes to a church. There's a groundskeeper Willie type dude who's like, <laughs> hey, can I help you? And they have a kung fu fight. <laughs> Pow. She and... pushes his eye into the eye scanner, opening the door. Obviously, uh, there's a ticking pocket watch, like an ornate gold pocket watch. A tapestry dissolves and we see a whole bunch of peripheral guards and she fights the rest of them using like medieval arms and armor. Yeah, it was like Kung Fu with fucking medieval dragon slayer technology. And I mean, she... it's a it's a hatchet. It's not that crazy. Yeah, so she, like, destroys them all because she's awesome and... Uh, Kicks uh, everybody's asses. Uh-huh. Pow, pow. Dr. Sharice Newland speaks directly to her through one of the peripheral guards. And yeah, yeah. Flynn is like, hey, guess what? I'm going to create a brand new continuum and you are not going to know where it is or when it is or how to get to it because I'm destroying the coordinates. And she apparently knows how to do that. And what you do is you just smash the pocket. <laughs> Well, first she had to put the pocket watch on the table and it made a grid of some kind. And then a new thing popped up, which I think was a new stub. Right. And a new stub st starting in 2032, which is like when she lives. It's basically the clock is always running in San Dimas. It's like the present moment in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Yes. And once she does that, she can destroy the pocket watch and everything's great. I don't understand any of the technology or right. They didn't details. They didn't explain super anything. well, but that seems to be what has happened. So she wakes up in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Her plan is to wake up in a new world, but dead in their own world. There'd be no reason to kill them if this plan works. 
So we go to this flashback of the conversation with Connor where she we right. basically there was more get the to that rundown. scene, that secretly unobserved scene in that warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Way more to that scene. She's basically planning for Connor to sniper her in their timeline. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's and right. Now we're seeing that that plan play out in the Blue Ridge Mountains. She's walking by the creek. And he's like in the woods with a gun, shots ring out, birds take flight, and Flynn in that timeline is dead. Except she started a brand new timeline that starts right before then. And so, right in in the Blue Ridge Mountains. So the secondary Blue Ridge Mountains timeline with an exact copy Flynn knows everything that our original Flynn knew and did everything that our original Flynn did. And now that Flynn wakes up in London 2099, directly opposite Chief Inspector Ainsley Lobier of the Metropolitan Police. And they agree that they are going to get to work. And that seems to be the end of the episode, except there's a post-credit scene. Hold up. I mean, I'm not going to go into this on a huge tangent, but I'm still bothered by the fact that she basically committed to us. She's like, I will never exist by except... I do exist on this other timeline. Right. So, but it's not me. It's, it's interesting, it's, right? I hate because, it. like, it's taking a lot of faith. It's not at all because it's a totally different person as far as anyone is concerned. She has all the same memories or at least knowledge, but it's a completely different person. She just killed herself. That's it. Well, yeah, but I think that that, okay. Yes, that is true. Right, she is dead. Therefore, it was a real and genuine sacrifice, not a meaningless sacrifice, not a gesture that doesn't have real consequences. But at the same time, she rebooted the game from her saved place, just like Connor was talking about back at Walter Reed Hospital. True. So also, let's go back to that timeline and be like, oh, Flynn is dead. Oh, Connor shot her. Oh, this timeline is weird. I wonder how Burton's taking it. I wonder how mom is taking it. I wonder how Tommy's taking it. I wonder what's going on in that fucked up timeline because all these people are fucking dead over there. Does this new timeline have Jasper's crazy train accident? Does everything on this new timeline happen on the other timeline? I don't care for any of it. Go ahead, Josh. I'm sorry. My understanding is... So we'll we'll call what we've been watching in this whole show the primary Blue Ridge Mountains timeline. I think that the new stub that splinters off of that one in 2032 is 100% a perfect duplicate copy. Nothing is different, I think. For it to work, it has to be because that way it's only under those circumstances that Flynn has access to all of her knowledge, all of her experiences, and perhaps this data from the research institute that she's going to use herself. So post-credit scene. Yeah, post-credit scene. This is like a doozy and it makes me wonder if I missed other post-credit scenes yeah. in other episodes. Were the neoprims actually explained in a post-credit scene? Every time the show is over, I'm like, okay, bye forever. I don't ever look for a post-credit scene. And that could have potentially fucked us both. Yeah, it's possible that we have been talking trash about them not properly setting up the neoprims, but they actually did. And we just weren't tuned in enough to realize that there was a post-credit scene. So I don't know. How dare us. Yeah. How dare us assume such things. 
So the post-credit scene takes place in London 2099. Lev and Dominica, that's his extremely high-born, clept wife, are Mm -hmm. off to the club to meet with his parents. She's not excited about that. She's not a big fan of them. But whatever. You know, in-laws, am I right? (laughs) In-laws, man. (laughs) She sees three dudes sitting at a table. And they're all staring at the both of them. And she's like, oh, you fucked up. I will see you later. Oh, Lev, what have you done? Love you because you are screwed. Yeah. So he walks over to the triumvirate of kleptocrats. Nice. Nice. And he's like, hey, I was expecting to meet your father. Yeah, he's not here, but we're here. By the way, everybody's wearing clothes from like 1900. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Just the tailoring looks like it's 1901, not 2099. Right. Everything's brown and houndstooth. Right. He's got like some white top shoes. Maybe he's wearing spats. Yeah, I was going to say. He's probably wearing spats. I dig it. I like it. So Uh, they're like, blah, 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 the Putin diaspora. I was was like trying to take notes and I'm like, what now? Yeah, same. So apparently the kleptocrats who run the world are part of the Putin diaspora. I don't know what that is. That means they're like the Russian crime lords that came out of his particular mafia, I guess. That's a guess. Sounds right, because the Russian and crime lords, they're like, your dad's not in the best of health, but he sends his regards and he asks us to speak to you. Can't be good. Right. So they read in the riot act about Mm -hmm. risking everything with the research institute. He's like, I was just exploiting an opportunity the way we all would. I would never, ever endanger our organization I didn't do anything different than what we usually do. It was just slightly different, but, but same as, same as. But I humbly apologize and beg your forgiveness. And they bust out laughing. They're like, you yeah. should have seen your face. Oh, my God. You stupid idiot. But also you need to fucking scorch earth with whatever you're doing because it's fucked up and we're not happy about it. Yeah, they tell him, cut bait and cauterize the wound. Yeah. Lose all all of the assets all of them right so all of the assets meaning alita and just everything everything that could be a danger they're like what happens when a tree in an orchard gets fungal rot the orchard keeper prunes it maybe burns the whole tree all of it so they're like your wife looks lovely (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and also, I'm asking after your kids. And just remember, the orchard keeper will come in with an axe if you don't fucking take care of business. Yes. And remember how I just asked about your wife and kids? Yes. We will kill all of the tree. Wink, wink. Yeah. And then they're just like, where's that waiter? <laughs> That's uh, the end of the scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of the season. Where's yeah. that waiter? <laughs> great cliffhanger guys here's what i'd like to see in season two Mm, tell us i want to see a regular games night with (laughs) chief inspector ainsley lobier of the metropolitan police and jasper Mm -hmm. and connor i think the three of them just playing games together like board games yeah board games a little bit of trouble some pop-o-matic action oh my god for sure Mm -hmm. 
That would yeah, be delightful. I, they could play Monopoly Deal, which is similar to Monopoly, but very different. It has a much faster gameplay and oh. it's card based. They could play Uno. Mm -hmm. I think you can put a draw four on a draw four, but that's yeah, how, you can. That's and a I, reverse. Yeah. Reverse, reverse, reverse. Skip your ass. <laughs> Uno and I'm out. Right? Yeah. Ainsley would destroy in that game. Oh, right. She has like superpowers so maybe it would be unfair no 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 i mean they all do oh i guess they do well not yeah. jasper no he's a fucking idiot his his superpower is being sort of a sad sack pushover <laughs> oh he got us again <laughs> <laughs> all right so here's here's what i desperately want to see in season two mm -hmm. a return of some nubbins <laughs> What the fuck? Why did we have a scene at the Thank very you. beginning of episode one? It was multiple. That, they mentioned no, it, it at least one, two scenes. Okay, well, okay, okay. It was so the continuation of the other scene, but yes, continue. One scene rolls into the next. Yes. Tommy's like, Billy Ann is there with nubbins. And it's like, nubbins, 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 nubbins. Hey, would you like some nubbins? Oh, you guys got nubbins? Oh, I love nubbins. Did you try these new nubbins? Oh my God, fucking nubbins are dope. Right. So like, we really just dropped that thread. And you had a theory that pizza rolls are nubbins. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I want to I, see that play out. Yeah, I want to know. Like, what are nubbins? It's like a whole pizza roll chain of restaurants called nubbins. It probably is. That uh -huh. makes the most sense that there's like a new fast food chain uh -huh. called nubbins. Ten years from now? Fuck yeah. And yeah. I want the whole next season to just revolve around the whole building of this franchise and its takeover of the United States. Yeah, the only way to avert the jackpot is to <laughs> build up the Nubbins corporate infrastructure. That's right. It's and that's what I want to see. This whole new timeline, it's all about Nubbins, Josh. It's got to be. Otherwise, I'm fucking out. Did Nubbins ever make it to London? Oh, good question. Does North America still exist? Not important. Did the Nubbins survive the jackpot? Guys, we've got theories. We've got questions. But so we, many of both. But we do not have answers. So, Or any more time. We gotta go. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this episode. I'm Josh. I'm Tressa. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah.